Hi, and welcome to Behind the Drag, a new podcast from In the Know that takes you behind the scenes with some of the biggest names in the world of drag. In this series, we get to meet the people and stories behind some of the most iconic drag personas. From what makes them tick to how drag has shaped their lives, they're spilling all the tea. For drag performers, getting cast on the reality TV series RuPaul's Drag Race can sometimes be a fast track to fame. On today's episode, we're talking to drag superstars Violet Chachki, Alaska, and Ben De La Creme, who are all alumni of the hit reality show. So let's get into it. I've always been a rule breaker and a rebel, and I love creating my own game. The number one most important thing is having a strong vision for yourself and for your life and not stopping until you make it happen. Hi everyone, it's me, Violet Trotsky. I'm 28 years old. I currently live in Los Angeles, California. I'm an international drag superstar and a self-proclaimed fashion icon. Violet is confident, sexy, aesthetic-driven, glamorous. I really have my signature face that's sort of vampire-esque, really arched eyebrows, grayscale with a red lip. It's just a really simple, clean face. It's true to my aesthetic and classic in that way. It's kind of timeless. For me, drag has always been about rebellion and also escapism. I think being able to creative direct your own world is super powerful and it's beautiful. I grew up in the South. I grew up in Atlanta and it's super diverse, super queer, super gay. It's sort of like the gay mecca of the South. I went to a Catholic school and it was almost even more apparent wearing a uniform that I was different. I just stood out. I was constantly getting in trouble, constantly trying to break the rules. I just like transformation, I like glamour, I like the creativity that goes into it. I was always really creative as a child. So my drag aesthetic is really driven by glamour and vintage aesthetics as well as fetish aesthetics. One of my favorite things to do is to kind of to find vintage pieces and either get them reproduced in my size or kind of take elements from them and recontextualize them in new ways. Here's a good example. So this is a vintage pattern and I had the pattern adjusted to my size. It's from the 40s, but you can kind of tell by the pattern alone how vintage, like true vintage it is. Even when I was coming up in the drag scene, I was known as sort of the rule breaker, the rebel, the bad girl. I started my drag character basically based off of Betty Page. That was sort of my first icon that I was like, that's the kind of woman that I really love. I always was inspired by like really big, dominant, know what they want, go-getter type of women. That's sort of the woman that I wanted to reference and that inspires me. My aesthetic is really classic beauty and classic glamour. Knowing who you are and delivering at all times is super important for me as a drag queen on this level. I started watching Drag Race, I think in 2009, and I auditioned for season six, and I didn't get on. And I auditioned for season seven, and I got on. Drag Race is a huge opportunity for us to elevate drag culture, to tell our stories, and it really is a career maker. I've gotten to work with some of my biggest inspirations that are really iconic people. Stephen Klein, Stephen Mizell, Pat McGrath, Jeremy Scott, Prada, Jean-Paul Gaultier, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I can't even believe that fashion is a whole other world and it's a fantasy and I think it all creates another realm that you can kind of escape into. 
The fashion world and the drag world kind of share that. They all sort of create their own rules, their own environment, their own atmosphere, their own hierarchy. It's a really beautiful thing. This weekend, all thanks to Miss Coronavirus, we are doing a drag drive-in show. I'm excited for tonight. It's nice to just see the girls. Like, that's kind of the most fun thing. It's just being able to kiki with the girls. Currently, drag is my living. It provides a form of escape, provides a form of creativity. It's definitely an outlet for me. It's a community for me. It's not even just a job. It's much more than that. It's exactly where I, where I want to be. It's what I want to be doing right now. It's powerful. It's impactful. It feels like I have a legacy that I've built. I feel like I've made my little notch in history. Drag is the worshiping of divine feminine energy. I think the world is like out of balance, that the world could use more femininity. Society says, this is femininity? Well, I'm gonna give you like a truckload of it. Is this womanhood? Questioning what is fake? Is she serious? Is she joking? I wish I knew the answer, I do not. But we're going on the journey. Hi, uh, my name's Justin Andrew Honard, otherwise known as Alaska Thunder. And I live in Hollywood, California. I don't really think I am different out of drag and in drag. I don't know, it's more interesting to look at on camera when I'm in drag. Basically, my job is pretending to be a famous woman. Like, it's all fake. The hair, the fingers, the eyeballs, the body. Everything the light touches is fake. It's like having a suit of armor on. So I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania. I hated school. I hated summer because then I didn't even have the structure of school. Then my parents tried to put me in sports to make friends. But once I started to like come into myself and like sort of accept that I was gay, um, I know, shocker, I'm homosexual. Um, it wasn't until then that I really started to like meet my art friends and my theater friends. I love drawing and I love drawing women. I've always drawn. So it's like a journal or like a diary. When I was a young kid, I wouldn't go out and like play sports or play in the yard. I would come home after school, do my homework diligently, and then I would just draw. It's always just sort of flowed out of me just like naturally. Like if I'm not even thinking about it, the women will come out of the pan. When I started doing drag more, I was actually drawing like less often. And I think it's because it's sort of the same thing, except I'm doing it on my own body, which is fun. And it was like in college where I really just, I don't know, like the Britney Spears shaved her head and I shaved my head in solidarity with her. And I was just sort of like, Fuck it, like what, what the fuck are we doing? That's when I really just dove into drag. There's life before Drag Race and then there's life after. The world of drag has changed a lot because when I first started, you had to be insane to do drag. Now, largely because of RuPaul's Drag Race, people know what drag is. They see it as a viable career option. 
I haven't done a show in so long. I've missed it so much and now here I am and I'm like, can we make this go away now? I hate rushing and now I'm at like such a heightened stress right at this moment. What am I doing? Okay, what am I talking about? <laughs> Nothing is packed. I don't know the dance moves. I don't know the words. No, you know what, who cares? Literally, who cares? It's the last drag show on earth. The 20 minutes on stage is heaven. And everything getting to that point is literal hell. If I'm traveling the world and jet lagged and exhausted, the thing that makes me instantly come back to life is walking into the dressing room to find all the other drag queens. You're incredible. They're the funniest, the most generous, gregarious, is that the right word? I feel at home when I get in, into the company of drag queens. I love them. We'll go to the end of that song. Then I'm gonna do requests from the audience. If there's a long period of time where I'm not doing drag or whatever, uh, I definitely feel it and I definitely start to, I start to miss her. Okay, we have to start opening the um, venue. Amazing, thank you guys so much! Alaska is a Glamazonian princess from the planet Glamtron. She crash landed on Earth and ever since she's been trying to get enough Twitter followers to get her spaceship back up and running again. If you come see an Alaska show, I like to do it like a wedding, something borrowed, something blue, something old, something new. So I do like something of mine, something of somebody else's, something funny and stupid, something serious. I'm doing my spirits calling. I also know that like people walk away feeling empowered. Oh my gosh, like why drag? Which is the question I keep asking myself. Yes, it's clothes and it's hair and it's makeup, but once it all comes together, it's like something magical and something more than just the sum of its parts. As a child, I was too gay or too effeminate. I felt like I was just wrong. The important lesson to take away from like the Alaska story is take those things that you hide about yourself and put them in the spotlight. That's what makes you special. Both writing and performing this show, it has helped me come to a more of a place of peace about the inevitable tragedy of love and life. Maybe things won't be okay, but that's okay, and they can be okay between here and there. My name is Ben Delacram. I'm here in P-Town right now running uh, my solo show called Ready to be Committed. This says that people have been trying to figure out what love means for centuries and that no one can agree. Let me tell you about it. My show this year is inspired by my partner proposing to me. The engagement itself, the proposal, was a complete surprise and both something that sort of manifested childhood dreams of mine that as a queer person I never necessarily thought I'd have when I was young. This is Gus, who's my partner of four years and my fiance of several months, however long ago January was. I think the thing that both of us have really 
talked about being grateful for in the other person is that we found somebody who can handle our particular brand of crazy um, and do so with a lot of humor. And I think that that's like, that's, I would say that that's our secret. I know that I feel loved by Gus because he is committed every day to figuring out how we are going to be the best partners to each other. And that kind of dedication is really, really difficult to anything, let alone another human being. My childhood was very difficult. Uh, I was a very, very overtly queer kid from a very young age. My mom passed away when I was 13 and she was really sort of my lifeline. She was the person who uh, made me feel that it was okay to be who I was. So I was sort of plunged into a difficult time in my life where I had no outside voices saying that who I was was okay, despite the fact that I was very, very different from all the people around me. I realized as an adult that I've always sort of had a deep-seated fear of truly committing to one person because as a child I had to watch my father struggle with my mom's death and his sense of mourning and loss is something that uh, really influenced my ability to get and stay close uh, for fear of going through that same thing. There was something inside of me that I don't know where it came from that had a small glimmer of, I hesitate to even say hope, it was maybe there's something out there. As a writer and as an art maker, I get to use this character who is optimistic and upbeat almost to a fault where she doesn't want to look at the negative and I get to use her as a way to make the audience look at more difficult things. Okay, well no one cares if you're happy. Weddings are not about being happy. Weddings are about starving yourself to fit in your dress, inviting ugly family members to make you look better, and making everyone think that you're happy. Listen, I really hate to disappoint you. A lot of queens have uh, drag mothers who sort of uh, teach them how to perform or how to do their makeup and sort of help form their style. I personally did not have one. I just pieced it all together myself. So when I first saw Varla when I was 18, she really, it was like her style and her approach to drag that really resonated with me. She really informed how I did drag. And so years later, after we'd befriended each other, uh, she um, started referring to me as her adopted drag daughter and started referring to herself as my drag mother, which was a really, uh, a really special thing. And um, it's nice to have that family. Well, let's drink. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. To another show. Yeah. <laughs> of some sort with some qualifier. Well, it's so interesting because people who know you from television probably, I mean, you didn't do what you do on stage on television. They yeah. have no idea what you do. They, I think probably confused at the first, like, what are they getting? Like, yeah. oh my God, this is not, she's not lip syncing and taking dollar bills. Nothing that right. there's anything wrong with that, but it's, it's not what you do. So I think it takes time for people to, to even figure that out. I feel like I learned this from watching you is like making it really, Dumb at the top, you know. Like God, I feel like yes. all the stupidest jokes Wigs come and at the beginning. Jokes. <laughs> yeah, a little toilet humor at the top, and then you can sneak it in because you got to get their attention. And especially here, people are so drunk. Cheers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered drag, and I said, "Oh, this is who I am. This is my calling." 
I do consider it a, something spiritual and something sacred. I really think that drag is bigger than just performance. I can't believe the life that I get to live. And when I think about going back in time and telling that 13-year-old me, like, oh my God, if you stick it out, this is the life you're gonna get. You know, now I get the opportunity to say that to a generation of 13-year-old me's. Ben de la Creme is the best of me, distilled into a fictional character who can be all good qualities. For more stories from In The Know, go to inthenow.com. You can also follow In The Know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. A big thank you to Violet Chachki, Alaska, and Ben de la Creme for sharing their stories. Stay tuned for more episodes of Behind the Drag. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.